0: Across the country and around the world, across the street and around the corner, this is Over the Culture. This is Over the Culture podcast, where you get to hear my spin on things I like, like music, sports, sports entertainment, movies, TV shows. And your mom, you also get to hear about things I don't like, like my car. And I'm your Bastard of Ceremonies, The One Gear Kid, Pat Stay Black, Alextra Black, Reefer Sutherland, Luke Fly Talker, The Most Interesting Blurred in Podcasting, The Troll of Trolls, The Prince of Petty, Steve G. It's July 18th, 2021, and damn, I'm in pain. I'm in immense pain. Dental pain. I feel the root. I feel it in my root whenever I drink something cold, a cold beverage. The root of my molars. The root of my tooth. I feel it in the root. I have to make a dentist appointment. And I really do not like America's policies and standards uh, when it comes to anything medical. I mean, the insurance companies, they gouge you. They, They really don't help as much as they should. And... They, they really don't cut you any slack, man. It's one of the many reasons why people even hate going to a hospital. One of the reasons, the big reason why I hate going to a hospital, if I can help it, and that's unfortunate. Because you need to go to the hospital. You're supposed to go to the hospital. You should make that dentist appointment whenever something's wrong. But the bill, oh my God, the bill. The bill, that's even more pain. Not only do you have pain in your mouth, you got pain in your back pocket, pain in your wallet, pain, pain in your purse. Jeez. Regardless, I got to get rid of this pain in my root. Got to. Got to. But first, before I do that and set an appointment with the dentist, I need to tend to my fucking knee sign. Another pain. Major pain. The bane of my existence. I have documented and journalized this Nissan. My trials and tribulations with this fucking car. Numerous times on this show. And in all fairness, I get it. Uh, This is the same car I drove from Texas to Ohio. This is the same car I drove from Ohio to Atlanta. But throughout that whole time, it's always needing something. Needy, needy. Can you give me a break, Nissan? I get it. You're an 07. But, damn, can I get a break? As soon as I put something into you, you want something else. You're just an unappreciative, bratty-ass girlfriend to me. I want this. I want that. Bitch, I just got you an engine. I need a new steering rack. Bitch, I just put 500 on new tires. So right now the issue is I need a steering rack. Or that's at least what the mechanic said. I need a steering rack replacement. Now my mobile mechanic who who is really not mobile anymore. He has his own shop. Uh, He seems to be a... Man of good character. I don't know. I I really don't know. You, you can't tell with these mechanics. I mean a lot of times. You take what they say with a grain of salt. But. He was recommended to me. By a long lifetime friend of mine. Uh, that I have known since childhood. And uh, so far. He hasn't steered me. In the wrong direction. Uh, no pun intended. So. Because he has his own shop, he's not as mobile as he was when I first met the man. So there there was another gentleman I reached out to. I I found his ad on Craigslist, and that was my first mistake. I found his ad on Craigslist, and he said he actually lives in my area. He comes by. When he comes out the car, I see he's tatted up, and he's smoking a black and mouth. And I figure, hey, he he fits the bill. He he, he looks like a mechanic. He's smoking a black and mouth, and he has tattoos. Uh, but he's also a young motherfucker. And, you know, he tells me the things that I need. He, he goes to rockauto.com and he places things in the cart and it says racket pinion. That was about $400. A steering pump, that was about $250. And then some hoses and whatnot. And I was like, all right, man, this shit tallies up to like over half a grand. Um, how about I look online, find this shit for way less, and I'll get back to you, and, you know, he's like, oh, okay, man, all right, then he chuckles off into his fucking car, so I'm looking at all that, I'm like, man, I don't know, this motherfucker, he really didn't try to, like, cut no corners for me, and I look at stuff like that, you know, you're looking at this shit, And obviously, this shit costs a lot of fucking money. And you're not even, like, trying to go the extra mile to see, like, hey, man, this shit costs a grip. Let me try to find some shit for way less. So that is important to me. Um, So nonetheless, I found the shit. I found the shit that he selected, that he suggested, for way fucking less. I found it. I got it. I found it, and I got it. I reached back out to the motherfucker. And he's like, no, nah, I can't make it on this day. And I asked the son of a bitch, hey, man, if I get this shit by Friday, I get paid on Friday, would you be able to make it to me in the morning? He's like, yeah. So I call him Friday morning and he's like, oh, man, I can't do it. But I got my brother, my, my homie. I got my homie. He's just like me. And I'm thinking, man, you're saying that like it's a good thing. He's just like me. And he know, man. We grew up together, man. He know just as much as I do, man. Blah 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 blah. So I, he gives my number to his fucking homie, and I'm a little reluctant about even fucking with these niggas. And he's adamant, like, oh no, nah, man. I can get to you, man. You know, just get the part. Whoop, whoop Uh, man. Make sure you get some. uh Make sure you get some power steering fluid. So I went and got the power steering fluid. I got I got a hose. I didn't have a hose before, but I got a hose in the power steering fluid and the motherfucker. I'm waiting. I told him I'm back. I got the shit. I'm ha- I'm home. No response. So I wait about an hour. I text dude and he's like, oh, man, I had a family emergency. My bad. I just responded. Wow. So, fuck Tattoo, black and mouth smoking motherfucker and his bro slash homie. <laughs> fuck y'all niggas. Jabber jaw, mush mouth fucking assholes. So, I, I called my original the guy that I've been fucking with for the longest since I've been here. My main, per- my main mechanic guy. And, you know, like I said, he, he's not really as mobile, but he was able to stop by he gave it a look over he told me what it was yeah man your rack and pinion and you might need to get your pump replaced so I had it towed it's even more money fucking pain in the wallet Nissan I had my Nissan pain in the ass Nissan towed uh, to my guy's shop and that's where it currently sits and I I, I need my car as much shit as I talk about it, it it's gotten me thus far but man it's been a painful ride this Nissan is about two more shutdowns from me starting an OnlyFans account or selling crack cocaine, one of the two or both, so if you see me out in these streets of Atlanta on Peachtree, mind your fucking business I'm just trying to get by I got a Nissan to support Now I I try to look on the bright side of things. I really fucking try. I try my damnness because damn, life be getting in the way. It be getting in the way, dog. So I I try to see the silver lining in things. And I had about a four-day weekend over the week uh, because of it being All Star. Because of it, you know, the All Star break. They they don't play for about a week, so. Um, I work in sports television and we're affected by that. So I was off from Monday to Friday and my last day of work before the vacay uh, on Sunday going home. That's when my car started going fucking bat shit crazy and haywire. And I'm fortunate that this shit happened right as I got home. Luckily, it didn't happen on the freeway. My, My steering wheel just felt like a ton of wheels. Like like a ton of bricks trying to turn, Um, and luckily, like I said, this happened right as I entered my apartment complex, so I I have that to be thankful for. Um, It it sucks, and and I mean, I'm gonna have to pinch my pennies and tend to my coins a little bit longer now, but you know, (laughs) I'll be all right. I'm not gonna die. Not gonna jump off of a cliff just because I have a hoopty. It's just annoying. It's a small cog in the wheel, cog in the machine. So I'm looking forward to having my car back and I'm looking forward to putting more money into that fucking car when I get it back. Well, what's it gonna be next time, Nissan? Huh? You lousy bride. Come here. Ooh, 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 yeah, you lousy bride, come here. Beat it, Tuts. Off to the dealership. But yeah, I'm thankful that this shit happened right before I go on my weekend and I had time to figure this shit out. And I'm hoping this mechanic, my listeners, my brothers and sisters, my cultivating cultivists, my niggas, please. Thoughts and prayers, positive energy for Steve's Nissan. His raggly ass, dusty ashy needs prescription lotion, fucking Nissan. Please and thank you. Now, over the week, we lost Biz Marquis, the legendary MC entertainer uh, just just. Celebrated personality He was more than a hip hop More than an entertainer He was an entity within himself Uh, He's one of those celebrities Whose personality Superseded their realm Their respective realm Kind of like you know Biz yeah he was initially Known as a rapper but you heard his voice In candy commercials You saw him in children's programming Kind of like Randy Savage. Like, yeah, you know him as a wrestler, but he's such a big personality that he's just known for being known at this point. But Biz Marquis, he will be missed. And I I saw the outpour of family and friends uh, sharing stories about Biz Marquis. And it just made me feel like, damn, I wish I met the man. He's one of those guys, man, I wish I just crossed paths with, even if it was for a, a moment, just to like have a story. Wish I had a story, a a, a Marquis story, you know? Kind of like DMX. I wish I had a DMX story. I wish I met him once in a lifetime human being. And Bismarcky's is one of those people like you don't hear bad things about him. Everyone who's met the man, who's had the uh, the honor of crossing paths with Biz Marquee, they have nothing but great things to say about him. Just a big-hearted spirit. He brought joy to everyone he met. He was a kind person, a caring person, uh, hilarious, very innovative creative he's collabed with some of the best man you know initially he was from the legendary Juice Crew with Big Daddy Kane, Roxanne Shante and Cool G Rap the legendary Juice Crew his big hit was Just a Friend and at this point Just a Friend is a pop song you know initially it was a hip hop track and you know yeah, technically yeah it's a rap song but, I mean, you've heard that song in commercials, TV shows, movies, um, you know, but outside of just a friend, Vapors. That's another hip hop classic um, to the point where Snoop Dogg, he recreated that song, uh, his own version of that song on his album, The Dog Father. He was dubbed the clown prince of hip hop. Bismarcky represented the fun, the, the lightheartedness of what hip hop could be. The soulfulness, the playfulness of hip hop. He is the icon of playfulness in hip hop. I would say him and Flavor Flav, the the animated, you know, humorous. Aspect of rap. You could throw Will Smith in his early days. Will Smith, yeah. And, you know, I I, initially I, I didn't feel like even doing a show today because this this car fiasco has just bogged me down. I've had to. Use Uber and Lyft to get to and from work for the past two days, and you know, even ordering out, DoorDash. I'm um, running out of groceries because I, you know, I ate them all. You know, when my car initially broke down, so now I'm relying on Door fucking Dash. So it was just kind of like, man, I just want to lay in the bed and watch Dateline all day, and that's what I've been doing. I think I worked out once this week, once or twice this week. I I usually try to do at least three times a week. But man, you know, with the car and and my new addiction to Dateline NBC, oh my God, that's available on Peacock. On Peacock Premium or Peacock Plus, whatever the fuck. And I, I get it through my xfinity account they they give it to you in addition to having the xfinity account and once i got a deep dive in this dateline shit oh my god i i tell you these true crime shows they're the hardest rabbit holes to escape ooh people dying ooh tell me more ooh people getting murdered ooh a piece of candy ooh kidnapped and killed ooh I'll smoke a bag of that. They got about 29 seasons of this fucking show. I never fucked with it before I had this Peacock shit. Never before. But once I just started watching one episode, I was hooked. And that's all it takes. Just one hit. Just ask Pookie. Just one hit and you're hooked. And they got about, what, 20 plus seasons on this goddamn streaming device. And that's what I've been doing. When I'm not at work, I'm here straight to Dateline NBC. And when I get done recording this, I'm going right back to Dateline NBC. I haven't even watched my current shows this week. I haven't watched Dave. I haven't watched the Love and Hip Hop this past week. Uh, you know, it's just been Dateline, Dateline, Nissan, Nissan, and Dateline. And I, I got to say, Lester Holt, he seems like a nice fella, seems like a nice gentleman. But man, I I, I, I I, really hate talking about people's children, but fuck it, people's children talk about me. And I'm just going to say, he's a peculiar looking fella. Lester Holt is a peculiar looking motherfucker. Uh, I, I don't know if it's the the big forehead with the absence of eyebrows, maybe that's what it is. Sorry, not sorry, just spitting facts. Now everybody's ragging on Space Jam 2. Oh man, because it didn't have Michael Jordan in it. Oh man, the Michael Jordan version is better. Oh, LeBron, he can never be the GOAT. His cartoon sucks compared to MJ's. Oh my God, and I love Michael Jordan, but the Jordan stands make me fucking sick sometimes. Most of the times all of the times god damn y'all cannot let LeBron Raymond James live can you can y'all motherfuckers just can't be great without comparison yes Michael Jordan put out a classic movie with Bugs Bunny and Bill Murray and all of the motherfuckers Tasmanian Devil and Tweety and Sylvester yeah he did that shit he did that shit in the 90s classic R. Kelly was singing on that motherfucker. It was great. Everyone loved it. America couldn't get enough of the shit. LeBron James does another fucking movie. Damn near 20 years later. And immediately it sucks. Immediately. See a second of the trailer. Oh, fucking hate it. Jordan did it better. Uh... (laughs) To be real with y'all, I ain't seen man, one of them motherfuckers, and I like Michael Jordan. I like LeBron James. I just never seen them. Ain't synced them. I always say I will, but just ain't did it yet. But maybe when I can get away from the clutches of Dateline NBC, I'll watch those motherfuckers back-to-back because they're both available on HBO Max. And maybe I'll give my review of both. Maybe, maybe that's even more fair. The fact that I haven't seen the original, maybe, you know, going into this blind, you know, I kind of know how it goes, but you know, maybe it's best for a a real uh, review, a fair and balanced review. If I just watch them both for the first time back to back. So we're currently in game six of the NBA Finals, it feels a little bit odd to be in July and the NBA is still intact still going on and the Bucs are up 3-2 against the Phoenix Suns I did not expect this the The Bucks didn't look like NBA Finals or a championship team but here we are, one game away from being crowned NBA champions, I'm still pulling for Phoenix uh, the point god CP3, this is about as close as he's going to get with the Warriors kind of down, uh, you know, the Lakers are hobbling. So, you know, I we, we don't know if you're going to be able to come out of the West again, Phoenix Suns, anytime soon. They have a really nice team, but we don't know how much Chris Paul's got. And I solely want the Suns to win for the sake, Chris Paul, one of the greatest, one of the best point guards to ever touch the floor And like I said before, he's been criticized for most of his career, not making it out of the second round, not making it out of the conference finals. And now here he is two games away. And the next game is on Tuesday at nine o'clock. And it's going to be in Milwaukee. Game seven, if there's a game seven, will be in Phoenix. So they have to win in Milwaukee and they have to win in Phoenix. But we'll see. But as far as all things July 18th, in 1986, Aliens premiered in theaters. In 1990, Arachnophobia premiered in theaters. In 1991, Perry Farrell of the band Jane's Addiction launches the first Lollapalooza tour as a farewell for his just-dissolved band. Uh, and other acts appearing on the tour included Susie and the Banshees, Nine Inch Nails, Rollins Band, Fishbone, and The Rage Against the Machine. In 1992, Whitney Houston marries Bobby Brown. In 1993, at a Lollapalooza concert in Philadelphia, Rage Against the Machine uses their entire 14-minute performance time to protest their single, Killing in the Name, being banned from radio. With only guitar feedback for sound, the group appears on stage naked with the letters P.M.R.C. painted on their chest and electrical duct tape over their mouths. In 1994, Kiss from a Rose, released by Seal, uh... Man, that's the only Seal song I know of, but it's still a banger. It's one of those timeless classics. In 1995, Selena becomes the first Hispanic singer to have an album debut and peak at number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart. She also becomes the first and only female singer to place five albums simultaneously on the Billboard 200 chart in 1997 Nothing to Lose starring Martin Lawrence premiered and I remember seeing this in the theater this was the summer before my freshman year in in high school and uh, it wasn't the typical Martin Lawrence movie it was decent uh, to say the least and in 2000 Lil Flip releases The Leprechaun and Jill Scott releases Who is Jill Scott? Words and Sounds Volume 1 in 2001 Jurassic Park 3 premiered in theaters in 2003 Bad Boys 2 premiered and uh, once again it's not the same martin lawrence at this point uh the original bad boys came out in 1995 he was much slimmer uh, had more energy and this is before he had his health concerns but Bad Boys 2 if you're a fan of Martin Lawrence Will Smith or the Bad Boys franchise it, it was decent uh, it's worth a watch at least once uh, but later I'll be talking about The Dark Knight On two in 2008 on July 18th The Dark Knight premiered in theaters and it was nominated for a ton of awards and accolades and it's most famously known for Heath Ledger's uh, posthumous performance he he was the Joker, and a lot of people consider him the greatest Joker of all time. He's not my goat. My favorite has always been Jack Nicholson. And the Tim Burton uh, Batman franchise is still my favorite. And the Chris Nolan franchise of, ba- of Batman, it's great, but I, maybe I'm just too much of an old school uh, soul. But later, I'm going to be talking about the impact that this film, The Dark Knight, had on not just comic book films, but on pop culture and society in general. Today in sports history, in 1921, Babe Ruth achieves 139 home runs and becomes the all-time home run leader in Major League Baseball, taking the title from Roger Connor. In 1927, Ty Cobb hits his 4,000th MLB career hit. Racist son of a bitch. In 1951, Jersey Joe Walcott, at 37, becomes the oldest to win the heavyweight championship. In 1959, William Wright becomes the first African-American to win a major golf tournament, the US Amateur Public Links Championships. In 1960, baseball's National League votes to add Houston and a New York franchise. In 1970, Willie Mays becomes the 10th baseball player to get 3,000 hits. In 1976, Nadia Comaneci becomes the first gymnast in Olympic Games history to score a perfect 10 score at Montreal Games. In 1987, New York Yankees' Don Mattingly ties the record of home runs in eight consecutive games. In 1991, Mike Tyson meets Miss Black America contestants. Just go home, Mike. Just go home. In 1994, the Houston Astros tie a National League comeback record, trailing 10-zip, beat the Cardinals 15-12. In 1999, New York Yankees' David Cohn becomes the 15th pitcher to throw a perfect game, 6-zip versus Montreal. And in 2004, the 12th ESPY Awards are held. Lance Armstrong, Asterix, and Diana Taurasi are the winners. And that was my half ass Sports Report. today's birthdays for July 18th happy 41st birthday to American actress Kristen Bell both turning 42 today are American wrestler and producer Joey Mercury as well as American football player Dion branch happy 46th birthday to English rapper and producer MIA as well as American singer songwriter guitarist and producer Darren Malakian of the band system of a down also turning 46 today is American baseball player Tori hunter Happy 50th birthday to American basketball player and coach, Penny Hardaway. That makes me old for some reason. Turning 54 today is American actor, director, producer, and screenwriter, Vin Diesel. American talk show host, Wendy Williams, turns 57 today. English businessman, Richard Branson, turns 61. And both turning 81 today are both American baseball player and manager, Joe Torre, as well as American actor, James Brolin. Coming up, I'm going to talk about the impact of the film The Dark Knight. We'll be black after these messages. Rolling down I 75. I'm all about my pockets, trick call me Papadopoulos I'm on my way to Magic City, flying to Metropolis On top of this I'm talking shit, blowing on some chocolate Your flow just be the opposite, so watch how I demolish this Build it up and polish it, acknowledge all my knowledge The word around town is that my mind is like a hollow tip. as shit, be honest shit, I don't know it's how it gets When trails get blazed, them younger niggas wanna follow it L's get blazed like old heads wanna politic Talk about life and getting raised up in the the mix. Don't let me take you back to 86 When I was taking baby shits Now we make your lady stiff All up in the brain It's the sand town's finest hitter Elevate the game I can't remember The same is obsolete in late December But it's the middle of June And my mood is mighty sister I got a couple loaded tricks on my sleeve That's if I play them right Houston tomorrow, San Diego the next night Gotta get some rest in the cut Let's get my stress sliced Like a six dollar large I'm in charge casually in jest fire Got my dome again. And I'm on whatever West Toledo, Moby Stevo, yeah we roll together Winter, spring or fall, got the East and beat them all Homeboys, yeah this is folk music, where's Peter Paul? And Mary, quite contrary, gotta get an eagle on Ain't no point in singing I'm the shit, I only pee in Johns Hopefully on a flight back and forth to Shangri-La The Six a lot, they got the la-la spots And the badass hoes, designer clothes who rock I guys Traveling, being focus, focus is fostering a haircut Square cut, paint a picture, let it airbrush. Head of them on me, reflect eternally like Quali Known to move a crowd of fly females, than alcoholics. Who wanna call me on it? Like they get about it. I drop a record in the streets, they wanna talk about it. Light up they whole face, rip up your Facebook. You step in my space and get your butt whooped. I'm in these great lakes, giving off a massive pill Making crowds put their hands up like a tornado drill. Just cause my flow is ill. Could use an Feel. I'm running mad lips. Now put your hands in. I'm up. the captain of this ship. I'm the chain without the bar. Stupid is what stupid does, but I guess stupid gets you far. And a special mention to those no longer with us. Last Sunday, we lost American theater, film, and television actor Charlie Robinson. Born in Houston, Texas on November 9, 1945, he's best known for his role on the NBC sitcom Night Court as Macintosh Mac Robinson from seasons 2 to 9, the clerk of the court and a Vietnam War veteran. Although his most frequent on-screen billing was Charlie Robinson, Night Court had credited him as Charles Robinson throughout his 1984 to 1992 stint as Mac. In two of his earliest film appearances, 1974's Sugar Hill and 1975's The Black Gestapo, he was credited as Charles P. Robinson. Some of his credits have been occasionally commingled with those of older actor Charles Knox Robinson, who, billed as Charles Robinson, was featured in numerous films and TV episodes between 1958 and 1971 robinson died on july 11, 2021 at ronald reagan ucla medical center from cardiac arrest with multi-system organ failure due to septic shock and metastatic adenocarcinoma a type of glandular cancer he was 75 that following monday we lost american professional wrestler paul orndorff Born Paul Parlette Orndorf Jr. on October 29, 1949 in Winchester, Virginia, he's best known for his appearances with the World Wrestling Federation and World Championship Wrestling, nicknamed Mr. Wonderful. After seven years working around the National Wrestling Alliance, Orndorff became a star in the 1980s WWF wrestling boom and featured with manager Bobby Heenan and champion Hulk Hogan extensively, including in the main events of the first WrestleMania and Survivor Series. With an untreated neck injury, he left the WWF for WCW in early 1988, where he won the WCW World Television Championship and WCW World Tag Team Championship with Paul Roma. Arm atrophy from a nagging injury led him to retire in 2000 and he was treated for cancer in 2011. After retiring, he trained aspiring wrestlers. Orndorff was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2005 and the National Wrestling Alliance Hall of Fame in 2009. In July 2016, Orndorff was named part of a class action lawsuit filed against WWE, which alleged that wrestlers incurred long-term neurological injuries and that the company routinely failed to care for them and fraudulently misrepresented and concealed the nature and extent of those injuries. The suit was litigated by attorney Constantine Kairos, who led a number of other lawsuits against WWE. In September 2018, US District Judge Vanessa Lynn Bryant dismissed the case, ruling that some of its claims were frivolous and some had been filed after the statute of limitations had expired. In September 2020, an appeal was dismissed by a federal appeals court. On May 8, 2021, Orndorff's son, Travis, posted a video of him at a medical facility where he was seen in a state of reported dementia. He believed his father's dementia was a result of CTE. On July 12, 2021, Orndorf died at the age of 71 in Fayetteville, Georgia, shortly after being diagnosed with dementia. It is unknown if the dementia played a role in his death. This past Friday, we lost American rapper, singer, songwriter, DJ, and record producer Biz Marquis. Born Marcel Theo Hall on April 8, 1964, in Harlem, New York, marky was best known for his 1989 single Just a Friend, which became a top 40 hit in several countries. In 2008, Just a Friend made number 100 on VH1's list of 100 greatest hip-hop songs of all time. marky has been called the clown prince of hip-hop. In April 2020, Marky was hospitalized due to severe complications from type 2 diabetes. In December 2020, it was reported that Markey was staying in a rehabilitation facility as a result of a stroke he had suffered after going into a diabetic coma. On July 1st, 2021, rumors of his death circulated on Twitter. His representative told Rolling Stone, The news of Biz Markey's passing is not true. Biz is still under medical care, surrounded by professionals who are working hard to provide the best health care possible. Markey died at a Baltimore hospital 15 days later on July 16th at age 57. Hunter S. Thompson was an American journalist and author and the founder of the Gonzo journalism movement Born Hunter Stockton Thompson on July 18, 1937 in Louisville, Kentucky, he first rose to prominence with the publication of Hell's Angels in 1967, a book for which he spent a year living and riding with the Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club to write a first-hand account of the lives and experiences of its members. In 1970, he wrote an unconventional magazine feature titled The Kentucky Derby is Decadent and Depraved for Scanlan's Monthly which both raised his profile and established him as a writer with counterculture credibility. It also set him on a path to establishing his own subgenre of new journalism that he called Gonzo, which was essentially an ongoing experiment in which the writer becomes a central figure and even a participant in the events of the narrative. Thompson remains best known for Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, a book first serialized in Rolling Stone in which he grapples with the implications of what he considered the failure of the 1960s counterculture movement. It was adapted on film twice, loosely in Where the Buffalo Roam starring Bill Murray as Thompson in 1980 and directly in 1998 by director Terry Gilliam in a film starring Johnny Depp and Benicio Del Toro. Politically minded, Thompson ran unsuccessfully for Sheriff of Pitkin County, Colorado in 1970 on the Freak Power ticket. His run for sheriff is chronicled in the documentary film Freak Power, The Ballot or the Bomb. He became well known for his dislike of Richard Nixon, who he claimed represented that dark, venal, and incurably violent side of the American character. He covered Nixon's 1972 re-election campaign for Rolling Stone and later collected the stories in book form as Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail 72. Thompson's output notably declined from the mid-1970s as he struggled with the consequences of fame and he complained that he could no longer merely report on events as he was too easily recognized. He was also known for his lifelong use of alcohol and illegal narcotics, his love of firearms, and his iconoclastic contempt for authoritarianism. He often remarked, I hate to advocate drugs, alcohol, violence, or insanity to anyone, but they've always worked for me. At 5.42 p.m. on February 20th, 2005, Thompson died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head at Owl Farm, his fortified compound in Woody Creek, Colorado. His son Juan, daughter-in-law Jennifer, and grandson were visiting for the weekend. His wife Anita, who was at the Aspen Club, was on the phone with him as he cocked the gun. According to the Aspen Daily News, Thompson asked her to come to help him write his ESPN column, then set the receiver on the counter. Anita said she mistook the cocking of the gun for the sound of his typewriter keys and hung up as he fired. Will and Jennifer were in the next room when they heard the gunshot, but mistook the sound for a book falling and did not check on Thompson immediately. Juan Thompson found his father's body. According to the police report and Anita's cell phone records, he called the sheriff's office half an hour later, then walked outside and fired three shotgun blasts into the air to mark the passing of his father. The police report stated that in Thompson's typewriter was a piece of paper with the date February 22nd, 05, and a single word, counselor. He was 67 at the time of his death. Screamin' Jay Hawkins was an American singer, songwriter, musician, actor, film producer, and boxer. Born Jalacey Hawkins on July 18, 1929 in Cleveland, Ohio. Ohio! He's chiefly famous for his powerful operatic vocal delivery and wildly theatrical performances of songs, such as I Put a Spell on You. He sometimes used macabre props on stage, making him an early pioneer of shock rock. He received a nomination for the Independent Spirit Award for Best Supporting Male for his performance in the 1989 indie film Mystery Train. Hawkins died after an emergency surgery from an aneurysm on February 12, 2000, in Neuilly-sur-Seine, France, near Paris. He was seven years old at the time of his death. Rest easy, y'all. On this day in 2008, The Dark Knight premiered in theaters. The Dark Knight is a 2008 superhero film directed, produced, and co-written by Christopher Nolan. Based on the DC Comics character Batman, the film is the second installment of Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy, and a sequel to 2005's Batman Begins, starring Christian Bale and supported by Michael Caine, Heath Ledger, Gary Oldman, Aaron Eckhart, Maggie Gyllenhaal, and Morgan Freeman. In the film, Bruce Wayne slash Batman, Police Lieutenant James Gordon and District Attorney Harvey Dent form an alliance to dismantle organized crime in Gotham City, but are menaced by the mastermind known as the Joker, who seeks to undermine Batman's influence and throw the city into anarchy. Nolan's inspiration for the film was the Joker's comic book debut in 1940, the 1988 graphic novel The Killing Joke in 1996 series The Long Halloween, which retold Harvey Dent's origin. The Dark Knight nickname was first applied to Batman in Batman No. 1 in 1940 in a story written by Bill Finger. The Dark Knight was filmed primarily in Chicago as well as in several other locations in the United States, the United Kingdom and Hong Kong. The film was the first mainstream feature to partially utilize IMAX 70mm cameras with Nolan using them for 28 minutes of the film, including the Joker's first appearance. Warner Brothers initially created a viral marketing campaign for The Dark Knight, developing promotional websites and trailers highlighting screenshots of Ledger as the Joker. Ledger died on January 22, 2008, some months after he completed filming and six months before the film's release from a toxic combination of prescription drugs, leading to intense attention from the press and movie-going public. Dark Knight is regarded as one of the best films of the 2000s and one of the best superhero films ever made. On an aggregating review website, Rotten Tomatoes, The Dark Knight has an approval rating of 94%, based on 341 reviews, with an average score of 8.6 out of 10. The site's critical consensus reads, Dark, Complex, and Unforgettable. The Dark Knight succeeds not just as an entertaining comic book film, but as a richly thrilling crime saga. The Dark Knight appeared on 287 critics top 10 lists more than any other film of 2008 with the exception of WALL-E and more critics named The Dark Knight the best film released that year. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, awarding 4 out of 4 stars, described The Dark Knight as a haunted film that leaps beyond its origins and becomes an engrossing tragedy. He praised the performances, direction, and writing saying the film redefined the possibilities of the comic book movie. Ebert stated that the key performance is by Heath Ledger. He pondered whether he would become the first posthumous Academy Award-winning actor since Peter Finch in 1976. The Oscar was awarded to the late Ledger, and Ebert ranked this as one of his 20 favorite films of 2008, calling it the best of all the Batmans. Film critic Andrew Sarris acknowledged that, after seeing The Dark Knight, he would rethink his past reservations about Christopher Nolan's work. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone wrote that the film is deeper than its predecessor, with a deft script that refuses to scrutinize the Joker with popular psychology, instead pulling the viewer in with an examination of Bruce Wayne's psyche. Travers praised all the cast, saying each brings his or her A-game to the film. He says Bale is electrifying, evoking Al Pacino in The Godfather 2, that Eckhart's portrayal of Harvey Dent is scarily moving, and that Oldman is so skilled that he makes virtue exciting as Jim Gordon. Travers says Ledger moves the Joker away from Jack Nicholson's interpretation into darker territory and expresses his support for any potential campaign to have Ledger nominated for an Academy Award. Travers says that the filmmakers move the film away from comic book cinema and closer to being a genuine work of art, citing Nolan's direction and the gritty reality of the cinematography as helping to create a universe that has something raw and elemental at work within it. In particular, he cites Nolan's action choreography and the IMAX tailored heist sequence as rivaling that of *Heat* from 1995. The New York Times wrote, "Pitched at the divide between art and industry, poetry and entertainment, it goes darker and deeper than any Hollywood movie of its comic book kind." Entertainment Weekly put Entertainment Weekly put it on its end of the decade best of all list, saying, "Every great hero needs a great villain." And in 2008, Christian Bale's Batman found his in Heath Ledger's demented, dervish Joker. BBC critic Mark Kermode, in a positive review, said that Ledger is very, very good, but that Oldman's turn is the best performance in the film by a mile. Kermode felt Oldman was deserving of an Oscar nomination. Emmanuel Levy wrote Ledger throws himself completely into the role and that the film represents Nolan's most accomplished and mature work and the most technically impressive and resonant of all the Batman films. Levy calls the action sequences some of the most impressive seen in an American film for years and talks of the Hong Kong set portion of the film being particularly visually impressive. Levy and Peter Travers conclude that the film is haunting and visionary while Levy goes on to say that The Dark Knight is nothing short of brilliant. In 2008, The Dark Knight was ranked the 15th greatest film in history on Empire's list of 500 greatest movies of all time, based upon the weighted votes of 10,000 readers, 150 film directors, and 50 key film critics. Heath Ledger's interpretation of The Joker was also ranked number three on the magazine's list of the 100 greatest movie characters of all time. In 2010, The Dark Knight was included in American Cinematographer's Best Shot Film of 1998-2008 list, ranking in at Top 10. More than 17,000 people around the world participated in the final vote. The Joker was ranked number 5 on Entertainment Weekly's 100 Greatest Characters of the Last 20 Years. In 2011, the film was voted by BBC Radio 1 and BBC Radio 1 Extra, listeners as their 8th favorite film of all time. On the television special Best in Film, The Greatest Movies of Our Time, which was broadcast in March, The Dark Knight was ranked second in the category for Best Action Film by viewers' votes. In 2012, Total Film ranked The Dark Knight as the sixth most accomplished film of the past 15 years, writing that Christopher Nolan's psycho-operatic crime drama was its decades' most exciting blockbuster and its most challenging. Most notable among the nominations were Heath Ledger's almost complete sweep of over 20 awards for acting including the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, Screen Actors Guild Award for Best Supporting Actor, the Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor, Motion Picture, and the BAFTA Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role. The Dark Knight also received nominations from the Writers Guild of America for Best Adapted Screenplay, the Producers Guild of America, and the Directors Guild of America, as well as a slew of other Guild Award nominations and wins. It was nominated for Best Film at the Critics' Choice Awards and was named one of the Top 10 Films of 2008 by the American Film Institute. The Dark Knight was nominated for 8 Academy Awards for the 81st Ceremony. Breaking the previous record of seven, held by Dick Tracy, for the most nominations received by a film based on a comic book, comic strip, or graphic novel, The Dark Knight won two awards, Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger and Best Sound Editing. The Dark Knight won two awards, Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger and Best Sound Editing. It was additionally nominated for six others, these being Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Sound Mixing, Best Visual Effects, Best Makeup, and Best Film Editing. Heath Ledger was the first posthumous winner of the Best Supporting Actor Award and only the second posthumous acting winner ever. In addition, Ledger's win marked the first win in any of the major Oscar categories for producing, directing, acting, or writing for a superhero-based film. Notably, Richard King's win in the sound editing category blocked a complete award sweep of the evening by the eventual Best Picture award, Slumdog Millionaire. Although it did not receive a Best Picture nomination, the show's opening song paid homage to The Dark Knight along with five Best Picture nominees, including host Hugh Jackman, writing on a mock-up of the Batpod, Made Out of Garbage. In spite of the film's critical success, the film was noticeably absent from the Best Picture nominee list, prompting controversy and leading many to criticize the Academy Awards for snubbing the film. There was speculation that the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences later changed their number of Best Picture nominees to ten instead of the traditional five because of the film's omission. In a question and answer session that followed the announcement, the Academy's then-president, Sidney Gannis, said, I would not be telling you the truth if I said the words Dark Knight did not come up. According to David Sims of The Atlantic, the Dark Knight legitimized the genre of a comic book movie in the eyes of film studios. Thereby setting the stage for the success of franchises such as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Darren Franrich of the Entertainment Weekly wrote that the film cemented a new way of talking about superhero movies, specifically one that acknowledged them as serious vehicles for political commentary and artistic achievement. Multiple elements of The Dark Knight had a profound influence on a number of subsequent motion pictures. For example, director Ryan Coogler cited The Dark Knight's depiction of Gotham City as a partial inspiration for the representation of Wakanda in the 2018 blockbuster Black Panther. Meanwhile, Michael B. Jordan named Ledger's performance as an influence for the former's portrayal Killmonger, the villain in Black Panther. Director Sam Mendez called The Dark Knight a game changer for everybody, saying that it influenced his approach to making Skyfall. What Nolan proved was that you can make a huge movie that is thrilling and entertaining and has a lot to say about the world we live in. That did help give me the confidence to take this movie in directions that without The Dark Knight might not have been possible. Several critics have noted that later films imitated The Dark Knight's dark and gritty tone. According to Charles Bremesco of The Guardian, many of the movies in the DC Extended Universe, such as Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice, Suicide Squad, and Justice League, affected a joylessness bastardized from Nolan's well-founded solemnity. Chris Newbold of The National reached a similar conclusion, bemoaning how EU films, have failed to excite audiences and critics alike and have performed passably at best at the box office nick pope of esquire accused the dark knight of encouraging future superhero films to take themselves far too seriously richard newby of the hollywood reporter disagreed saying the true lesson is comic book characters are malleable they are able to be grounded or fantastic able to be prestigious or pure blockbuster entertainment to be dark and gritty or light to be character-driven or action-packed, or any variation in between. Newby also said that Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice is the film that comes closest to Nolan's films in terms of lo- tackling the political and philosophical mire of today. The film was added to the Library of Congress's National Film Registry in 2020 as a culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant work. Happy 13th anniversary, The Dark Knight. So that wraps up another edition of Over the Culture Podcast. Please make sure you check out my other show, Happened in the 90s, every Thursday with my buddy Matt G, as well as our sister show, Crushgasm with Kendra. <sighs> Come on, Phoenix Suns, Suns and Seven. Y'all be cool now. Pray for my car. Peace.